0: Well, welcome back to the Wall Street Coach Podcast with your host, Kim Ann Curtin and Lucas Peterson. Hi, Lucas.
1: Hey, Kim. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. A little frazzled yeah. today, but all is well. All is well. Yeah. How about you?
1: I'm doing well. Like uh, like I was saying just before this, the markets are going up, and I'm pretty long right now, and so it feels fine. <laughs> okay,
0: good. that's a good thing. I'm glad. I'm glad. Today, today we're gonna we're gonna do one around learning, but this is definitely one that I know the traders that uh, watch us are gonna appreciate today. And uh, but I want for those who are non-traders to just consider that this is applicable for everything you need to develop in yourself or you want to learn, including just becoming more kind of self-aware. So today we're going to just talk about the four stages of competency. And I'm just going to give you a little bit around how you can recognize them and what they each look like. Uh, This was something I actually only learned probably in the last couple of years. I don't, I'm not sure when I first heard about it. How about, how about you, Lucas? Do you feel like you've known about this for a long time? I feel like
1: I had heard about it back in like in college, maybe like in a, a philosophy class or something, somebody did, yeah. or a psychology class. I can't remember. But it wasn't like we dove deep into it, but it was just yeah. around like these are the ways that you learn and I was like, Yeah, I don't care. Just tell me what I need to know at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so means, like I just,
1: just give me a degree and I'll be out of here. But yep, yep. <laughs> I wish I'd I pay more attention.
0: but that but that's awesome no i mean in a way you gotta love that hunger for knowledge and that like just let me dive into the pool and start to figure it out yeah so that's kind of i kind of could relate to that enthusiasm i think the first time i i don't think they called it the four stages of competency at landmark education but they they i remember this is like you know 12 13 years ago they put up on a whiteboard uh that which we know, and that which we don't know. And then the majority of the circle was that which we don't know that we don't know. And that was like, that was like, you know, the revelation of wow, that is such a bigger part of the circle (laughs) than the other two. So that was kind of their interpretation on this Concept of four stages of competence, uh, yeah. but but yeah, but but I think you know, for anybody who's trying to develop themselves in any manner, shape, or form, understanding these stages, uh, perhaps similar to the hero's journey map, it helps you know where you are. It helps you to prepare for what's next, and it just gives you again self awareness and sense of uh, place in the, in the midst of what your learning curve is. So the first stage is unconscious uh incompetence. And and just double check me that we that I they say them all right because it, it can get it can get a little confusing I will. sometimes. Okay. <laughs> way, they all sound so, yeah, the same. <laughs> i like, please, please make sure I'm saying it right to our audience. <laughs> I'll be mean, like, oh God, I screwed it up. We have to re-record. Um, so unconscious incompetence is like similar to what I just spoke of in that circle that I learned in Landmark, what you don't know that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that sort of, once you have the awareness that you don't know what you don't know, that is uh, probably one of the, You know, safer is a tricky word, but safer places to be because if somebody put me in the cockpit of an airplane, I certainly would know I don't know what I don't know (laughs) really quickly. And I wouldn't want to fool myself that I do know how to fly that plane, so to speak. However, that is the beginning stage for everybody who. And I think even when I first looked at the trading uh, monitor, you know, my uh, stocks to trade uh, when I went into the pro room and I looked at all the moving parts, I I can tell you, I felt like somebody had thrown me into the cockpit of a plane because I was like, Oh my God, look at all this that I'm going to have to learn. I don't know any of it. I am so freaked out. So there is a little bit of fear and freak out in that initial stage of seeing something uh, Mm -hmm. in that incompetence uh, uh, stage, but it's, it's, It's where all of the journey begins. The second stage is, I just wrote them down to remind myself, is conscious incompetence. And that is basically that knowing, wow, now I I guess really conscious incompetence is that place where you know, wow, I don't know all this stuff that I do need to know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it allows you to begin to soak up the knowledge that you need to have. And just on the personal development side, I would say that is the moment, you know, I tell a lot of people about the gremlins or inner saboteurs or the inner critics that are within themselves. When people start to retame your gremlin, when people start to pay attention to that, that is that also a moment of like, wow conscious incompetence. I didn't even realize I was listening to this voice in my head that was making things awful for me. And that moment is sort of a shift. There's a great shift when somebody finds out, oh wow, I might have an inner critic that is not helping me. The third stage is conscious competence where you realize okay even in a trade for example i am potentially taking these actions because i studied and learned this specific pattern and that's me trying to work in this place of uh i now know some information and i'm going to try to utilize that and in a lot of ways that could be the most dangerous of all these stages because you have some knowledge and it can be a default setting for people to think, I've got it all figured out now. You can can have a tendency, one can certainly become overly confident and overly sure of themselves in the conscious competence uh, stage. The stage that you ultimately want to get to is the fourth stage, which is unconscious confidence. And I think one of the best metaphors for that is how you can drive from your house to the store and not even remember how you got there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even remember like paying attention to the drive because you're probably talking on the phone or listening to the radio or thinking about tomorrow. And yet somehow your whole body knew how to drive the car, how to handle somebody who cut you off, how to get into the parking lot. You didn't have to think specifically through, consciously through all of the millions of steps that it takes uh, to get you there. And that is ultimately what you want to get to as a trader. But it does take practice. It does take years and years of knowing. But these four stages, uh, and remember too, that these four stages, it doesn't necessarily mean if you go through all four, you're done. You probably will have to go back and revisit because hopefully, especially as a trader, like, for example, now you're talking about, you know, I know on the Steady Trade podcast we were talking this morning, Stephen Johnson, who's notoriously been a short uh, trader, is now really trying to learn long because he, he the market has changed. So as a trader, you do need to always be coming from a place of constantly learning that which you don't know not in the beginning of course but he's been at it for a number of years now so now he's like okay i have to start to master another kind of style and pattern so yeah yeah Yeah, that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's basically it right like it's consciousness is awareness and then competence is knowledge so it's just like having an awareness of the knowledge that you have and the knowledge that you don't have i mean i think like Every philosopher, as at one point, said something along those lines. I feel like Socrates yeah. has that, like, yeah, line, something around um, knowing what you don't know is true knowledge, something like that. But
0: yeah, for sure, for sure,
1: paraphrase. I should have looked yep. it up, but,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, I think I think that is that is pretty close to what he said. So but- he probably, you know, had a fancier kind of word at the end and <laughs> yeah. but the gist of it, it you've gotten across and that's what matters. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, when we were talking beforehand about what does that uh, conscious confidence, like what int- happens there, especially for a trader, I would say in, we spoke about the learning to read the charts, identifying patterns. Um, and also I would argue developing that emotional awareness yeah. Really begin to realize that your state of mind, your state of mood is going to impact your ability to be really present during your trading. And I, I think one of the things, you know, we both have talked about offline is that these patterns are not encouraged. People are have not been taught by our culture, society, by school uh, to pay attention to all of that. And that is part, that then I think for some people becomes trivial. Like they think, oh, well, that's not as important as me studying. Yeah. And I would argue that it actually is probably even more important. You know, um, I I think it's Van Tharp, uh, a notorious, you know, uh, day trading coach who says that 60% is the uh, psychological of trading. Uh, I think he says it's uh, 30% knowledge and 10% I can't remember what the 10% is right now, but, but, you know, 60 is definitely the psychological side and the emotional side. So just being aware of the fact that you are an emotional being and just being aware that you are going to have uh, this, you have to be emotionally aware of yourself because that can sabotage you uh, and get in your way. If you don't even know that going in, then you potentially are going to be like, you know, what is it? The leash, the leash uh, around the dog. It's like you're going to be kind of pulled every which way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's funny when people say think that trading or the markets in general don't uh, run off of mo- emotion, but then we see. Uh, I mean, people chase price. Like that is that is that's why people like that's why price goes up because people chase it. So and true. you know, people will stand in line if there's a line for a bar, and people uh, like. If you go to a restaurant and it's busy, you're like, ooh, I want to go there. That that's that's right. is the emotion of our, our minds and our, our bodies. Like we, I, I, I truly don't understand when people are like, it's not, trading is not emotional. It's like, yeah. I, I feel the complete opposite. It's 100% emotional. You just yeah. have to be aware that it is. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of society in general, outside of trading, is yeah. completely in, unconscious of yeah. their incompetence around emotional intelligence um, and that probably transfers over, you know, into trading as well. And a lot of people yeah. aren't even aware of why they're chasing a price.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Have and, an exit and, plan. <laughs> and 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 to not be aware that you're chasing price, like think about the damage. Yeah. that can be done in the midst of you not even knowing that that's what's driving you, mm-hmm. if you're, it's like it's like having it's it's like an invisible driver inside of you controlling your hands on your keyboard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How well is that going to go? How well is that going to go? Yeah. So, you know, I think that concept of conscious incompetence sounds maybe intimidating or unpleasant or like nobody wants to be there, but that's the place where you have hope in a lot of ways because you can see that you don't know it all and that you need that allows you to potentially be open-minded and or continue towards direction of learning yeah. and i know uh, one of the things we talked about was like how how do you make sure you're always in fact Stephen talked about a book i have never heard of before uh gosh the title eludes me, we'll put it in the liner notes cause I can't recall it, but he, it just talked about getting a little bit better and getting a little bit more educated every day and to never think you've accomplished all that you need to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's not so much around accomplishment that I would say I would subscribe to, but that sense of being able to improve yourself uh, and improve in small incremental steps that I do subscribe to. Uh, and I think just even as a coach, you know, 14 years is a long time, but all along, in fact, one of my accountants along the way, he used to say to me, wow, you do a lot of self-development work on your yourself, Kim. Like he, there were so many, he's like, I've never seen anybody spend this much money on that. And I'm like, because i constantly want to get to the next level so that i can be able to hold that space for my clients and at the end of the day as a trader you do there's there is no mastery of the markets and that is what you need to remember so in a way conscious incompetence also makes me think of the phrase uh when you think you have the monopoly on truth tolerance is hardly possible right because you think you've figured it all out so That is a great quote for us to avoid hubris in our personal day-to-day life. And God knows we need some of that for politics right now, where everybody has a tendency to think they have the monopoly on truth. Uh, And we shared this conversation too, Lucas and I. I had a conversation with somebody this morning who I don't see eye to eye with uh, on a lot of topics, but I could appreciate some of his perspective today in a new way because... and and or perspective that I don't share because the way he explained it. And and because I wasn't coming from a place, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying I'm coming from this place of trying to always be open-minded. So I was able to hear where he was coming from in his thought process. And that helped me understand that perspective. Doesn't mean I changed my mind, but it helped me understand. And that's what I want you guys to do and think about. How can you become more into a state of conscious incompetence at least be but and this is it this is something too i just want to say i'm sorry i'm speaking so long luke's but <laughs> That's the, okay the, the concept <laughs> the concept is the reason i think people have a hard time not being with the fact that they can't possibly have the monopoly of truth and or the reason people can't admit to themselves that they are consciously incompetent is because people have been shamed and made to feel bad and be ashamed of being wrong like it's like we're not allowed to just not know anymore it's like we get we demonize ourselves ourselves and our culture demonizes us and makes us feel bad and shitty for not knowing
1: yeah and this i mean this can transcend into trading very easily like we are taught to in school we're like indoctrinated with in in school your iq is what matters and so like you need to know these things and you need to be know these things and you need to be right there's a right way to do things there's wrong way to do things there's uh this you know this you learn it you are able to repeat it you know and you build and if you go into trading with that, that mindset like and you um you know, watch something that opens. Uh, it pulls back a little bit. It starts to climb back, and you are like, "This is going to run," and you jump in, and you're going long, and that, and it doesn't. If it like just peters out at the open um, yeah. and and falls back, you, and then you're like, "I know it," <laughs> and you stay in it, and you don't yeah. have a, a stop. You're you're screwing yourself, and you're just going to get annihilated if you like size up in those positions so totally i think it's
0: the grade it's the grade mentality giving people a grade like oh i'm not that good yeah and that that situation you just explained like you're going to be experiencing the triggers of what would have happened in a classroom setting Mm -hmm. or with all that would have come with a report card with your parents in that moment of your trade
1: there's, uh, there's this funny quote by Jason Shapiro. He was in the Market Wizards um, book and he said something along the lines of like, uh, like you don't need to be right in a, a trade. You'll never be right, but you will get like within the realm of right. Uh, and he, he was like, if you want to be right, go be a lawyer. I found that very funny. That's it was like, awesome. yeah, go That's get like a, a normal quote. job.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. And and yet normal, like <laughs> I, I would say there is no normal jobs today. I think the heart of the matter is even in the workplace, the corporate place, corporate work setting, it's it that concept isn't isn't working. Like I think that's part of what we're coming out of, uh, is this like we have to be right there is it there is a black and white and look, yeah. living in the gray is definitely more difficult. It definitely asks more of us cognitively and emotionally and spiritually. But that is a place that I think, you know, maybe still lawyers are operating under that kind of place of having to be right. But I, I agree. That's a great, that's a great quote, and that, and that is you know maybe that's the number one question traders need to ask themselves before they even start. You know, we both know everybody's plowed into day trading, so the the question becomes, huh, is are you a person who feels you have to be right? And if you are, and if that's your default setting, how how much could day trading possibly not be for you. Yeah. It may not be for you because you're yeah. never going to be 100% right here. And if you feel like crap every time you're not, if you can't get along with people that don't have an opinion similar to you, that's telling you right there, you're probably going to have a cost, a, a monetary cost in trading.
1: Yeah. Um, this is also, a, I, I sent you this this morning, um, but this uh, a person on Twitter who posts a lot of really cool threads. His name is uh, Sahil Bloom. Uh, he okay. posted a thing about, um, the circle of competence and, oh, cool. uh, it's around, um, he posted like some screenshots. He always posts like these long threads that are pretty informative. And one of them was, um, around Warren Buffett, like Warren Buffett's approach to investing. And I just want to read this quote. Yeah, please uh, do. He says, what an investor needs is the ability to correctly evaluate selected businesses. Note that word selected. You don't have to be an expert on every company or even money you only have to be able to evaluate companies within your circle of competence. The size of that circle is not very important. Knowing its boundaries, however, is vital. And so this is kind of that idea of like, knowing what you know, and knowing what you don't know. Exactly. He was also uh, like, Buffett has been criticized, I guess, a lot um, in the past about passing on things like Google and Amazon early on. And he was like, I just didn't know it. Like I know, I know real estate and that's correct. <laughs> and so, correct. and those didn't present themselves as real estate uh, immediately. And he didn't, he wasn't a firm believer because he didn't have the competence and the knowledge in what that was going to look like.
0: Exactly. And for him and and who would look at him, you know, and I, and that cracks me up when people dismiss him for the things he didn't take, but yeah. it's like, What are you thinking? Like, who cares what he didn't take? What he did take worked for him, you know, or he wouldn't be who he is. And it's like, but you that mindset, if you take that mindset into your own trading, you're going to be self-sabotaging. Because before Google, and at the same time as Google, there was a whole bunch of probably other, maybe not whole bunch, because Google is pretty unique. But I'm sure there were other opportunities that he could have, gone into that wouldn't have become a Google and he could have lost so much more in because he didn't understand it. And so it's, it's, it's that sense of, you know, false bravado that every, you know, so easy. Oh, I'm going to criticize Warren Buffett because he didn't invest in Google. Like that just doesn't even make sense (laughs) to me. That's that's what he says
1: uh, along the line somewhere is like, but they don't calculate in all the things he passed on that, completely failed. Right. It's always easy. Revisionist history is the easiest thing to do.
0: (laughs) Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, and the concept of this, of being, comfortable with your circle as this gentleman is talking about like what it's not important he said how big that circle is that's what Mm -hmm. i just heard you say that to me is the most important quote and Mm -hmm. i think that also gets into a bit of a pissing contest where it's like well i'm an expert in all of these things and uh this was this was out there somewhere on social media too i don't know if it was gary vaynerchuk or somebody else but it was somebody talking about like how Everybody is positioning themselves now as an expert, you know, kind of in everything. And it's like, you know, you how could we possibly know everything? None of us can. And it's and and oh, you know what it was? It was Celeste Headley who we're going to definitely have on our podcast soon. (laughs) I'm so excited. She's the author of the book Do Nothing, so read it if you want to get prepared for that podcast, people. Um, But she was she was talking uh, on the Goop podcast about uh this concept that we're kind of put we've been put in a place culturally where everybody is supposed to be well versed in every department and every topic yeah and people talk as if they are as if they could be and, um, and, and it's not the same as having opinions. Like, mm-hmm. of course you have a right to have an opinion on every topic, including the ones you don't know about, <laughs> but don't preposture as though you are an expert in this particular field. If you aren't, if you've read one article, uh, or you've read one book that doesn't make you an expert. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> That's, uh, so, uh, Charlie Munger, uh, Warren Buffett's like you know uh, one of his partners. He said, uh, um, "Let me just get the quote here. I was looking it up earlier. Oh, he said, so you can become a consistent winner by uh, trying to be consistently not stupid, and try to instead of trying to be very intelligent.'
0: That's so brilliant. <laughs> I really like that. That Which is, I think I have is to what put we're saying, right? Like, just, That's what we're saying. Just
1: Don't be stupid. Like you That's don't. Right. You don't need to be the smartest person in the room. That's right. But also, like, don't just run around." Being the stupidest person in the world.
0: Exactly. Room. <laughs> Just be conscious. Just be conscious and be self-aware. That is the kicker. And yep. uh, yeah. I Charlie Munger, I mean, I'm not saying I would love to hang out with Warren Buffett, but I think Charlie Munger, every quote I've ever read of his oh, yeah. uh, is just like, talk about the dry sense of humor. I yeah. mean, God, that He seems is like just, a lot of fun. <laughs> he just seems like a lot of fun. He just says, like, Warren Buffett seems very polite, mm-hmm. but Munger, I don't think he probably is as polite. <laughs> he would just, like, rip you a new one without thinking twice. <laughs>
1: probably he's a funny (laughs) guy which
0: well you know with his sarcasm like he would just kill you with his intellect and his barbs you know like that's the feeling i got from him you know i do i have to i have to probably bring this one of these days on the podcast but when i was writing my book transforming wall street i wrote to warren buffett uh to try to interview him Mm -hmm. and uh he wrote me back uh twice uh, you know, a handwritten note on oh, my cool. letter, you know, turning down the interview because he was too busy and he gets interview requests all the time, but he yeah. liked the sound of my book. And he'd like this nice handwritten note from Warren Buffett on my, That's on, he so wrote cool. right on my letter and then sent it back to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, have, I have those two. And then, and then I guess I wrote him a, another, I sent him a copy of my book and he wrote me back again. thanking you wow. for it. So just, you know, they no, don't think people like that anymore. Yeah. There's it's a doc. Have
1: you watched the documentary? His, the, I don't, Buffett maybe. documentary? It's well, on, is it a, an old one? No, I think it came out like a year or two ago. It's on, oh, uh, I want to no. say HBO.
0: Okay. Um, it's pretty it's interesting. All about him? Yeah. I'll watch that. He's an interesting he's, guy. He's an Interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. Very fascinating story. He
1: eats I, McDonald's every morning or gets a coffee there, or something like that. Yeah, that's
0: right. I've heard that too. I've heard that too. But he and all, he just spends like, most like,
1: of it. Yeah,
0: exactly. He's it in I, I just business. heard he, that he has his change. Like he pays yeah. like with the specific. Like let's say it's five thirty-six. He always pays five thousand thirty-six cents.
1: Exactly specific to the cent. Yeah, he yeah, knows like yeah. exactly what it is, and that's like yeah. what he brings with him for the day. Is like. The, yeah
0: money that it 's exactly it's, it's, exactly. it's pretty it 's pretty fascinating to and and I think he 's probably you know a great example of that sense of honoring his conscious incompetence like yeah. he 's really great at seeing like that 's not my wheelhouse i 'm not going there one hundred percent not going there and he doesn 't feel insecure around it and that 's part of why I feel he 's A great example too of like his lifestyle in the sense that he's living in the same house he's lived in for years like he never needed to show off Mm -hmm. uh his wealth he he's he really gets that it's an inside job you know it's not like proving it to the neighbors or yeah
1: that reminds me of another quote i heard one time i don't remember who said it or where it's from but it was uh money talks but wealth whispers have you ever heard that
0: never (laughs) heard that that's (laughs) awesome yeah I like that. It's so true.
1: And it's true. Like, I mean, most of the people I know that are very wealthy are, you know, the quietest kindest people that you would never assume, like they don't drive Lamborghinis or, you know,
0: they do not. They (laughs) do not. They, I remember visiting, you know, I grew up on, uh, I was born in Brooklyn. And then a good chunk of my life was spent on St. James, which is on the North shore of Long Island. And, uh, very, very wealthy estates. They call it the Gold Coast or on that North Shore. Uh, You know, think Jay Gatsby kind of style, you know, compounds. And uh, one of our neighbors growing up, her family had one of these estates. And I do remember going there and, uh, you know, seeing this was either her brother or her uncle had like, you know, I mean, it was just incredible amount of land and horses and house and Holy mackerel. But I remember the brother, this, you know, I was a young girl, so I was, you know, fascinated and curious and soaking it all up. But the brother, I remember, had on a sweater, and the sweater had holes in the elbows. And, and I remember thinking, like, you would think if you got this wealthy, <laughs> you would not have a sweater. But, like, it just, it wasn't, that was like, part of his headspace, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it just made me have to take a second look at, like, how do the wealthy live? How do those who have it's certainly, uh, and that and that house and that property, you know, was probably in their family for generations. Uh, but you know, nobody was moving, nobody was like having the shiny objects, if you will. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty, it was pretty fascinating for me to see, like, wow, a sweater with holes. And like, I would have probably been mortified as a young girl wearing that kind of sweater in school. And yet, you know, maybe he would not have been, you know, mm. which yeah. is.
1: Yeah. It's just a different mindset, right?
0: Different mindset. <laughs> totally different mindset. Yeah. And the other thing you had sent me was about the Stanford write-up uh, oh, yeah. where, where it talked about, why don't you tell us a little bit about that article? Because that was that was a really great read. Oh,
1: I don't have it in front of me right now. Do you have okay, it? Okay, no worries. I do.
0: I do. I do. No problem. Well, it was it was talking about just having multiple teachers and gurus along the way of the oh, yeah. on the journey. Uh, and you and I were talking specifically to the trading, you know, mindset is make sure that you have people who have been potentially on that road before so that if there are potholes up ahead they are going to be able to help you prepare for the inevitable pothole and i think that's that's a big part of you know the challenge of developing yourself is you can't do it in a vacuum you need to have other people who have walked that road before uh on the journey with you maybe they're not your best friend but is there somebody calling you forward who's a little bit ahead of the game yeah. and um, even as a coach when I was starting out the coach that I hired she was you know Kate Roski shout out to you Kate she was incredibly encouraging me uh, incredibly uh, encouraging to me on the journey to like push me beyond what was comfortable and that I, I do think every trader needs
1: yeah. It's, I love the graphic. I just pulled it up on that, uh, the Stanford, uh, site where it says they have a site, a graphic and it. it goes literacy, then fluency, then mastery. Right. And that's uh, kind of, it's the, the building blocks. And I think it is, you do need somebody ahead of you to teach you. Like, that's why we go to yeah. school. That's why we, we do anything. You seek out like the knowledge of, of a, a guru or a, a teacher yep. so yep. that, or else you can't learn or you, or you learn the wrong way. I think that's, Correct. that's one thing that, um, can be dangerous in the the transition between unconscious, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, uh, conscious incompetence and conscious right. competence is yeah. like if you start learning the wrong thing, right? That's, yeah. and that's, I, I equate it to thinking about like building a building. You need a, like a very flat foundation, uh, a really secure flat fo- foundation, because if you get things off by, you know, a quarter of a degree at the base, if it's a hundred store built story building, it's going to be off by you know Correct. fifty feet, so and that will send you down.
0: Yep, for sure, yeah. for sure. And and I think you know that the that is probably too something that is very important, especially to traders starting out, is that you really vet the person you're going to be learning from. Yes. That you really vet the teacher or teachers a lot of new traders have a tendency to follow people on, you know, FinTwit on Twitter and (laughs) listen to people who are not in a position to be advising them. And this is, this is only, you know, this only lasts so long because you get burned quick enough. You go, shit, I can't listen to these people. Figure out to
1: do the opposite of them.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There's,
1: There's a few people I follow just because I think that they, uh, they just they just use Twitter as a pump and then they short into it and so I'm sure I, I, I'm I sure. honestly I don't know but that's what it looks like most of yeah the time, where it's it just like it, everything is. they do is the opposite wow. um, or they're that's just great. really really, really bad
0: we, <laughs> right or they're really bad but boy to be that consistently bad and keep pumping it out that yeah. seems to me like a little yeah. Yeah. a little uh. Shady. Yeah. But but I love that you follow them and I think that's really wise because in a sense it's allowing you to see whatever that machinery is in the background you know that JJ VWAP trader that we interviewed on the steady oh, yeah, Trade yeah. which is an amazing episode so, little sidebar here guys if you haven't watched uh do you know what that episode number is help me out what was that episode for number for the, stocks the JJ once, interviewed
1: yeah. it, it, it was, it was just a couple of no, because you guys just did 161, I think.
0: Oh, 161, right. Right. So, see if you can find the number. And yeah, that, and that interview, uh, I met JJ through uh, my uh, friend Ray, uh, Confessions of a Market Maker, Ray. And Ray and I, he, Ray actually invited me to his podcast, uh, God, months and months ago. And after that podcast, JJ and I started to talk. And then I invited him. Uh, G- Actually, Ray, we first had on uh, Steady Trade as a guest. Then he had me on his podcast. It's a little incestuous, obviously, <laughs> podcast guest. All of,
1: um, all of the finance world is. It's, it's,
0: it's so small. Especially it's like the trading people, world. People are so surprised how small the finance world is, but it really is small. It's such a small tribe of people. Um, and then JJ came on and, and a blew Tim Bowen and Stephen Johnson's minds away. Yeah. I mean, he blew my mind away too, but their depth and breadth of knowledge for the past, you know, 13 years for Tim anyway, 14 years trading, he was just like, holy crap, all these things that I thought were happening to hear that they really are happening intentionally is a lot to take in. He was, he was, I have not seen Tim kind of like go whole like that before (laughs) as he does in that interview, but, but. That but that kind of a person like JJ is a teacher, Tim Bowen is a teacher, right? Even Steven Johnson now with all the challenges he's been up against and he just stays with it. These are the and and also Steven Johnson, a shout out to him for his vulnerability. Like Steven has been willing to show people the losses and being very honest around yeah. how painfully for hard it's like been. years,
1: right? Like for Years. Been, yeah. Like
0: he has never That's let tough. his ego get in the way yeah. of what he struggled with, and that is, these are the teachers you guys want to look for. You know, you want to look for the people that really care. And a shout out also to True Trader um, because uh, Benito and Adriano over there too. They're they're just they really give a damn about you guys. I know Dan is there in you know he's one of their experts in there too. But the you know you got to find the people who have. A lot of testimonials who have been talking with their praises singing their praises for a long time be selective people be selective in who you have as your guru teacher but get one yeah for God's sakes get yeah. one yeah. get, get one
1: th- then get another like just and then get, get another, another. exactly, you need, you exactly. Learn as much as you can from as many people as you can the episode that uh, yeah JJ was on is 179 you guys have done okay. it. it was 181 I was mistaken but
0: wow it was just it. 179 okay yeah. so we we have been putting them out there those steady <laughs> trade podcasts like crazy we're on episode 12
1: uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> why what's episode 12 that's, that's,
1: no that's us right oh, now right that's, <laughs> us,
0: that's episode 12 but right? I forgot <laughs> Right. So, but but it's okay. Before we know it, Lucas will be at one hundred and eighty.
1: A couple years.
0: A couple years up ahead. Um, so, oh, and the other thing I wanted to speak to was this amazing book that I read years ago called SQ Twenty One, and it's about spiritual intelligence. It's written by Cindy Wigglesworth, and she is uh, one of the people featured in my book, uh, talking about. How spiritual intelligence, so she says, you know, first it was IQ, then it was EQ, emotional intelligence, but that we're moving into SQ now. And spiritual intelligence, you know, people hear that and they think, oh, is this religion? No, it's not religion. It's about the sense of being able to be connected to not just what's happening in front of you and potentially with the other person, but like in the sense of the whole atmosphere of a situation. And the ability, and she gives this great description of spiritual intelligence that. I wish I had handy, but I don't. So I'm going to just do the Cliff Note version of it. But which it basically is to be able to meet and be with whatever's happening, good or bad, horrific or not, uh, in a pl- from a place of neutrality. And that's what she feels is high spiritual intelligence. So you know, ultimately, her work is where you would take an assessment to see what is your spiritual intelligence IQ. Where do you stand with your ability to stay neutral? control. And I think more than anything, that's what traders need to work on. How do they do that? And look, I hope you will follow me and I hope you will listen to what I have to say, because that is a journey I have had personally, my quest for myself personally for many, many years, probably since I'm a little girl is, wow, how can I learn the tools to handle no matter what life throws at me? that being said as much as i want you guys to hopefully pay attention to what i have to say there are so many teachers out there in addition to me who are advocates of consciousness who are advocates of self-awareness you've got to listen to them too because every single one of us are going to have a different perspective and opinion and i'm just going to throw a couple of names out there now so people have a reference eckhart tolle i You just can't beat him. I know he's not for everybody's cup of tea uh, because he can be very esoteric. But gosh, reading his book, uh, The Power of Now or A Whole New Earth, I mean, it's just game changing. And the other one that I like a lot, who I think is a little... He he can be esoteric too, but in a different way than Tole, is um, Adyashanti. He has a book called Falling into Grace uh, and a whole bunch of talks online as well. And the other one I'm going to speak to is Byron Katie. Uh, She's uh, the woman who wrote that book that I talk about often called Loving What Is. Uh, These are three of my teachers that profoundly have changed my life. The other one I'm going to mention. And he is out there, is this guy Jed McKenna. And he has a trilogy called Spiritual Enlightenment, Damn This Thing. There's two others that come with that set. I'll be honest, if you really want to dive deep in like just how asleep... Uh, you might be Uh, he is the guy for you and he's not uh, he's not all esoteric he's like kind of you know drive up put explosive dynamite in your sense of who you are and press (laughs) you know the button of explosion i had a bit of a nervous breakdown after i read his trilogy to be honest lucas so
1: okay so we're putting a warning label on that one
0: (laughs) <laughs> Maybe
1: easier way into that one.
0: <laughs> Maybe easier way in. Don't read all three books at once like I did. And I remember calling my coach at the time, and I was just like, I think I'm cracking up. He was like, I think you are cracking up. <laughs> He's like, You could you had to go in and put the explosives and blow the house up. Kim, you couldn't have just done a renovation or two. <laughs> I was like, so. But that's
1: a, that's a, um, I mean, this is that's you were falling into the conscious incompetence at that point right like Mm you suddenly became aware of what you didn't know or it was just and that's so overwhelming yeah but that's a great mooring yeah and it's a great place to be for for a bit you don't want to get stuck there right like yeah yeah. and I think I think
0: but it's scary to be in that place and and it's probably it's probably good to just talk about that because during that you know I think it took about six weeks or eight weeks for me to Come back to center, you know, wow. emotionally. Like it yeah. was, I felt, um, I felt as though somebody had just kind of like, you know, you know that is it? Is it Socrates? I don't know who's the, who's the, is it Plato? Maybe Plato's cave. Who who's the yeah. one with the cave? That, you know, yeah. Plato. So we're, you know that we what that we think we're Worth in the a, movie, yeah. but that we find out later it's just the images up against the yeah, cave the shadow, wall, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it it was like that kind of a moment for me where I just had that awareness of like holy crap I have been looking at something that I thought was a movie that isn't actually that you know that I thought was real and it actually was a movie and um and so you know I was fortunate to have the right kind of people around me. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a coach around me who could hold space for that. Like there was no fixing it. There was no like quickly rebuilding the house. It was like, you got to sit with the fact that everything is in pieces on the floor now. And that's not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun for a while.
1: No. Yeah. But-
0: But it facilitates the new house being built.
1: Exactly, it facilitates growth. It puts you into a place of the ability to have conscious competence. It's yes, it is a good thing. And then now look here, unconscious competence.
0: I hope some, I don't know all,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think there's some places,
0: I think there's some places that look, I'm still doing this work on myself, you know, it's not like I fully have arrived. I think once we fully arrive and we've learned all we have to learn,
1: then we're (laughs) out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I I was mostly joking, but one thing that I think to keep in mind about like the, the, the conscious competence model is that you might be forever just in conscious competence and that's okay. Like, yeah. Um, like with trading so I, especially with trading if you yes. are get to a place where it's great if you have like a setup and a model that is working perfectly but if you if you want to trade like multiple setups you're probably going to be in a state of conscious confidence for a long time because it's just like
0: for sure you have
1: to check off all the boxes um, if for not sure. like physically on a piece of paper or something like mentally you're checking them off and so
0: yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. And if you are seeking unconscious competence in the market, I think you potentially set yourself up for disappoint set yourself up for disappointment and uh, yeah. a sense of never accomplishing anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> like the only people with a uh, unconscious competence I feel like are like JJ when he worked as a market maker, right? Like <laughs> yes. when you know yes. exactly what's going to happen. If Correct. you know, the rest of us are just reacting. Like I think about this a lot like with in in trading in general. We're just riding a wave. Like we're not in control of it. If you think you're in control of it, you're in for a disaster. We're just, you just need to recognize what, what waves look like and how far you can take them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely true. And I think that riding the wave, you know, for you, for any good surfer, the surfers are able to not expect a certain experience from the wave they're yeah. able to surrender which takes a, a huge amount of vulnerability a willingness to be vulnerable to surrender how this may go down because that wave could at any second change
1: yeah you hit a weird current or something or correct you hit a halt in the market and then all of a sudden what was running up 20 percent is now down 10
0: and or, you're hitting a coral <laughs> reef <laughs> yeah
1: they have a listing and then you get screwed and there yep. <laughs>
0: <That's Yep. okay. laughs> but it, but but like how do you be with that and say okay that is part of the experience there's nothing wrong it's nothing i did necessarily wrong like maybe you did something wrong or maybe you didn't and it's just yeah. the nature of the way that day is going to go. Yeah. So if, if you don't get comfortable with that discomfort, that's why I feel this journey of self-awareness and self-development and certainly this map of you know the four stages of competency and even the hero's journey, which we've talked about many times, having that sense of map of what to expect potentially mitigates the pain and discomfort. But this is why I'm such an advocate for everybody getting comfortable with the discomfort, yeah. learning how to how to ride the hard to be with feelings so that you can ultimately transcend them. And, you know, I heard this distinction. Uh, I don't know if you, do you know Sadhguru? He's, he's a no. Indian guru who's out and about. He's got courses. He, he's the guy that's behind the inner engineering that gabbar Mate advocates okay. yeah. the, the kind of meditation practice or yoga practice. So Sadhguru, uh, has this, he, he has such a great distinction where he talks about, uh, you know people come to him and say i want i want to control my mind you know i want to i want to stop it from like always thinking thinking what's the where's the switch where's the mm-hmm. switch to shut it off and he says you don't want to control your mind you want to liberate your mind yeah because control is still the, it's you're part of the same game
1: yep. so
0: the key is how do you liberate your mind from being hooked and that i would say to everybody who's a trader or anybody who wants to learn anything they have never uh, perhaps dived into before you want to develop a new skill set you want to be, stay on the road to consciousness and self-awareness and development you're going to need to find a way to liberate yourself from the shame or the making yourself wrong or for the from the judgment that's always kind of our default setting as human beings.
1: Yeah, this might go might go back to. I mean, this made me think of it, but back to what you're originally saying around like the taming or gremlin, and I think that might be the the starting point that we should all be at uh, to learn anything is is finding the conscious competence of 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 our own ego, right? Um, and like around taming it and understanding what how it exists in this world, and and yeah. so that we can liberate that process to learn.
0: Does that make sense?
1: It does. It does. It felt like a word salad, but I <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> it did. It did make sense. I think that, I think the concept you're trying to introduce, like what we're doing is we're trying to talk outside of the ego, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's probably why it feels like a word salad, because it's, it's, it's sort of hard to wrap your hands around this, but it's, it's ultimately in service to, us becoming that observer of ourselves as opposed to just operating as though we are ourselves Mm -hmm. and and once you start to observe yourself that is where everything opens up that is where everything opens up but to do that and rather to be able to continuously do that you're going to need to be able to really embrace the non-judgment. Because you can't, if you observe yourself with judgment, ultimately that you're going to uh, kind of pull back from that because you're going to feel judged all the time.
1: Yeah. Because you're
0: going to see your humanity
1: yeah yeah <laughs> wouldn't that be the worst thing see your own humanity
0: <laughs> well i mean it, it is not always pretty and so for sure it is but but it's like you know welcome to being human like none yeah, right? of us are pretty like it's we are all human we're all have failed we gonna all have fail we're all gonna make mistakes and it's like can we embrace that side of ourselves as well yeah. you know there's a, there's a beautiful quote. I probably won't be able to find it in time uh, that I have shared with a lot of clients in my life. And it's actually from a play. Um, let's just see here. I think it's Arthur Miller, actually. Embrace. It's, it's a quote from. Okay, here it is. Here it is. All right, I'm going to read this to everybody because it's one of my most favorite quotes. Uh, I think it's a mistake to ever look for hope outside of oneself one day the house smells of fresh bread the next of smoke and blood one day you faint because the gardener cuts his finger off within a week you're climbing over corpses of children bombed in a subway what hope can there be if that is so i tried to die near the end of the war the same dream returned each night until i dared not to go to sleep and grew quite ill i dreamed i had a child And even in the dream, I saw it was my life, and it was an idiot, and I ran away. But it always crept onto my lap again, clutched at my clothes, until I thought, if I could kiss it, whatever it was, my own, perhaps I could sleep. And I bent to its broken face, and it was horrible, but I kissed it. I think one must finally take one's life in one's arms." It's a deep, it's a yeah. deep poem or, or quote. It's from the play After the Fall. Okay. Um, but the heart of that is like, how, how do we find a way to look at that part of ourselves that isn't perfect and embrace it and not uh-huh. reject it? And, or that part of ourselves that is still incompetent or yeah. that part of ourselves that isn't fully conscious uh, and find a way to embrace it and be with it. Yeah. and that to me like once you you know he's being tormented in that quote because he can't embrace that part of himself that he keeps rejecting yeah and you know and even for traders like the the no- notorious thing i hear among all new traders it's like they're just so incredibly hard on themselves mm-hmm. and it's how long can you endure that self-flagellation with the whip like how long are you going to be able to how can you give all of your cognitive energy over to what it is you have to learn that's so brand new to you when there's part of you constantly beating yourself. I think back to the Da Vinci code, there was a character, did you read that book? There was a character who was like, who had this like, you know, thing attached to his leg as an old kind of practice of some, you know, stream of monks that did this where it was constantly uh, cutting his skin to mm. keep you know keep him humble so to speak, like and that's what I see so many people do in general in their life. Never mind new traders who are trying to learn. It's like if you're going to keep beating the shit out of yourself, how far could you go? You can't run a marathon if you keep yourself from water or nourishment or keep your feet in good condition.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's also. A a lot of uh, I think it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of vulnerability to say, like, I don't know this and like to even face that fact for yourself. Right. I mean, you might have studied for, you know, months and months and months, think you have it. You do it a few times. It works. But sometimes it doesn't like there's something wrong there. And it takes a lot of a lot of instead of beating yourself up, you know, just being like, I don't know this yet. And that's and that I think that takes a lot of I mean, never mind doing it in public or with other people. But doing it just with yourself, just being like having the the, the humility to, to say, I don't know, is,
0: is exactly. tough. Yes, it, so. it is tough. And, and it's tough because of the cultural conditioning. Exactly. And I want to say, too, the majority of the traders are men, right? Yep. And men, uh, you guys have really been sold to bill of goods where yep. culture and our society and women are – you know, it's not like it's our fault because we've been indoctrinated and brainwashed too, but yep. we've all put this expectation of you guys to not be uh, human or fallible mm-hmm. and to have it figured out. And so this like kind of massive shaming, even around your basic sense of masculinity is constantly uh, being threatened uh, if you show that you don't have it all figured out. 100% like you're just somehow not a real man. And yeah. it's like, Oh my God, talk yeah. about being set up to fail. Yeah. That kind you, of pathology.
1: Yeah. It, so I read daring greatly a, a year or two ago um, mm-hmm. by Brene Brown. And that's like, I, there's a part in it where a, a, a man comes up to her after a t- one of her talks and says something along the lines of like uh, you want us to be vulnerable, but like you being women won't yeah. allow us to, and he's speaking, of course, from his like own personal experience and his his wife and his you know daughters or whatever, and the expectations that he is putting on himself from them, and it's it is it is in our culture, and that's uh, that is a, a big big block in the road if you're not like aware that 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 it's there for you as, yeah. and especially as a like <laughs> a man, it's it's exactly. tough to fight against it's because society there is telling you. Totally, that, you know, 100% the of the movies. time that you need to be the tough guy. And
0: uh, exactly. I mean, if you
1: watch any sitcom, all of the jokes are about men that are, are just like totally. them being weak or like totally. gay. And it's like, that's, it doesn't even read funny anymore. Like once you realize how it's, it doesn't. how mean it is.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that, but that, you know, is kind of like seeping into our water, right? Like that kind of way. Of, and that, and that's part of why, you know, like, of course, who, I, I, I'm not saying I'm not enamored with a lot of what Joe Rogan's been able to do and create for himself, but part of what I do feel frustrated, there's a couple of things that fr- frustrate yeah. me about Joe Rogan, which I'm not going to get into now. We can do
1: a whole um, podcast about that. If you, podcast if you want me to talk about that, about that I, can yeah. go, I can go for hours.
0: We can, we, can, <laughs> we can have quite a bit, I'm sure, but yeah. I can talk about what might frustrate us about a about Joe Rogan but the biggest thing that frustrates me about Joe is that he doesn't I don't feel yet he has begun to look at this concept of this the toxic masculinity and yeah. that is to me you know he it, because the majority of his audience is male um and, and if you guys haven't listened to it you know people that know me sometimes are surprised that I would even listen to Joe Rogan but the reason I do is because because not only because he has so many people listening to him, but because I think it's important to understand what is going on philosophically behind anybody today who has a whole bunch of people who see the world through their lens. It helps us to really open up our own eyes. Yeah. And part of what I feel he himself is a victim of uh, is that toxic masculinity of that mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, place of not being comfortable with the vulnerability and he he does have a tendency at times to be vulnerable because he's so curious and he is so open to like going down roads that other people perhaps would make fun of him for doing but I think that concept of toxic masculinity and I think I've talked about this in one of the podcasts I've recorded the best uh best movie I can say sums it up better than I can, is The Mask You Live In, which is a documentary just about the cultural conditioning of men and yeah. boys in particular. Yeah. Um, so the heart of it, you know, it, I'm not anti-man. I, I, <laughs> I actually am. Me either. So I, I'm glad, I'm glad you're <laughs> not, I'm glad you're not. I'm, I'm totally coming from a place of wanting to give a lot of empathy to men because I feel they're all very much been uh, given, painted into a corner by the culture and definitely by women's expectations because women have been brainwashed too many times. And I, and I feel like you, in a lot of ways for guys, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Yeah. And that is a, a, a between a rock and a hard place. And that's an impossible place to be. But... But please, if you you know, if you're trying to understand like the depth of what I'm saying, which I can't capture in a few minutes, we went down a whole rabbit. <laughs> I know hole this is a... <laughs> people are going to probably have a lot of comments about. But trust me, I am I am all about giving them the tools to begin to get comfortable with their. Uh, humanity and to not subscribe to this cultural indoctrination of, you know, you got to be all that in a bag of chips. And mm-hmm. I hope you'll watch The Mask You Live In because it's it's a sobering movie. It's a hard-to-watch movie uh, documentary. Uh, but, but I've also said to the men, I've recommended it probably to every male client I've ever worked with, um, and to the women because I think women need to see, like, what you you know, I'm not saying women aren't up against shit in this world. Yeah. We certainly are. But it's not like There isn't shit, a lot of shit to go around for both sides. Um, But at the end of the day, that documentary, I think, is so powerful for some men, my recommendation is that men always watch it by themselves, because I think if they're watching it with a woman or their partner, uh, they may not necessarily let the emotions that get triggered watching that documentary come forward. So Mm -hmm. give yourself the privacy to watch that documentary and be with all that you may have to reconcile with around. uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if some men are going to walk away furious after that documentary over what they have uh, kind of been sold this fake bill of goods. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, that was
0: unexpected (laughs) development today. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but that's just another form of like figuring out the competence of, you know, a lot of people don't even believe that masculinity, like toxic masculinity is a thing. And so you're just living in a state of unconscious incompetence. And so until you are aware of it and then you see, and then it takes a lot of work to, Recognize where it plays a role in your life. Um, Yeah. You know, just speaking from my own experience. And then it's like, oh, I don't really, like, I'm not passionate about that. I was just doing it because, like, society was telling me that I needed to do that. And totally. It's not serving me. It's not bringing my life value. It's not bringing the people around me value. And so maybe let it go.
0: Maybe let it go. Yep, for sure. But that, but, but if you think about the concept of like how many hindrances there are to trading, there's so many hurdles you're going to have to climb over. Don't bring this unexpected expectation, this, this, this toxic kind of mindset of thinking that it has to look a certain way because yes. it's just going to potentially get in your way. Yep. And it, you, you need less in your way because, trust me, the market – there's plenty to put in your way <laughs> there are
1: already so many things to deal with don't put more exactly. things in your way
0: don't, don't add to the potholes <laughs> that are ahead of you or yeah. the bolters yeah. for sure so yeah okay this is what's going to happen people in these podcasts on occasion <laughs> similar to joe rogan we're going to go down these little rabbit holes uh, and black holes and um it's just because you know I have, a, I have a lot of opinions, <laughs> just like I said at the beginning, Like, and it's okay to have a lot of opinions. And, and I'm not saying that I'm an expert in everything that I speak about, uh, because I'm not, but I definitely am somebody who has read uh, a lot of books to at least be able to light the path for myself. And ultimately, all that I'm trying to share with everybody in these conversations are the ones that have worked for me. But at the end of the day, you have to find what works for you. I I even say to clients, there are books I recommend to them or documentaries or movies, not everything's going to land. Not everything's going to speak to you. It's okay. It spoke to me for some reason, maybe where I was in my life. I have had books where I've read in the past that didn't work and then I read them 20 years later and now they land and vice versa. So find what works for you. This is what's worked for me. These are the, the aha moments I've developed over time. If they serve you great if they don't put them down keep looking but the key is to keep looking so you can get to that place at least in your own self-development of unconscious competence. and uh i guess we should close it there yeah
1: that's perfect great closing
0: <laughs> okay.
1: All right. All right. Great job. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you yeah. so much. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. If you want us to speak to certain topics, please put them in the comments. Uh, and if you like our podcast and you think it's worthy of five stars, please do that for us on i. IP- uh, iTunes. And also we're on Spotify now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also on YouTube, you know, those likes uh, definitely add up in the algorithms of YouTube. So please give us those two. Anything awesome. else you want to say? No, that's it. Close Thank it up. You. Okay. Aloha. And we say in Hawaii is a hui ho until we meet again. So aloha everybody and a hui ho.
1: This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with K-Man Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.